Hello, and welcome back to our season finale of season four. It's season four coming to a close. How did that happen so quick? I've no idea. Yeah, me either. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the season and our our final mentor guest, Toka Muller. We're going to talk a little bit about what you might expect in season five. But really, this is just like a little bit of a close down for the spring because we take the summers off and we start back up again in October. Yes. So it's really lovely to be having done season four. We tried a whole new format this year. Mm -hmm. Right. It's really cool. Based upon, uh, you know, listener feedback, adjusted the uh, structure and style of the pod and have seen increased listenership and listenership engagement. Thank you very much. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you to those who joined us in season four. Thank you to those who have been with us from the beginning. And thank you to those who have come back. It's lovely to have you with us. That's right. That's right. You know, I was thinking, I was actually talking about that. So I just did a a little, a, a small webinar for folks who are thinking about launching podcasts. And I was kind of talked through the arc of all four seasons and we really have been around the bend and what I really like, right? So we kind of first, first season or two was kind of like some of our learnings, right? So some of the things we say a lot in rooms and kind of like pulling those apart more, like why we don't think people can be neutral in this place. You know, why depth is important, a little bit about ourselves. Season three was much more kind of introspective for the two of us. Mm. Big time. And what was happening with the outside and what was happening in the world. And then season four, we came out and did these interviews. And so it's really been, and that's in response, right, to to what we heard from listeners. And I was laughing. I was like, I loved season three, by the way. Loved it. Right. And I was like, I wonder what people liked about it. Although a lot of people stayed with us. Well, Mahmoud, Mahmoud, that's his favorite season. Right? Right, who we interviewed this season, who was with Colleen. Right. He was like, that was his favorite season, that one. It's so interesting. It's so interesting to me what people like. And I love what I like and what, you know, I was thinking about this webinar. What I told people is like, for me, the podcast has to be something we like to do. Oh my goodness. Yeah. If not, like, I'm just not like, why don't, let's don't do it. If it's not good for us. So like this, the season has been an amazing opportunity to talk with people we admire and respect. And, and so that's been incredibly enlivening. Mm. Right. And so it was, I think it was in response to the listeners, but boy, it felt good to me too, which I think is like kind of the sweet spot for a podcast. Right. And and I I think we're in this really cool spot where we are, as we come out the other side of COVID, we are literally re-architecting the outside based around how we want to live going forward, you know, which is different than how we went into COVID in terms of like, you know, less travel and being home. And some of that's driven by climate crisis and mm-hmm. not wanting to burn as many fossil fuels as an international consultancy. How do we do that? And some of that is driven just by our desire to be with our children and with our families and not travel as much, you know? Mm-hmm. So what has been, I think it's been fantastic for me to be reconnecting to people who are formative for us mm-hmm. as we begin to re-architect and we begin to kind of like, you know, work through our product lines and work out which ones really work for us and how we promote them and what we do with them and how we build out the kind of leadership cohort and all of that. All of it has just kind of like, there's been a real fundamental sense of renewal, I think, for both of us and for the organization. And the pod's been a huge part of that. You know what I did yesterday? I went out for a walk with my dog Nia, as I'm want to do, but I listened to the Ancestors podcast 
and I went back and uh, had a listen to those, and it was it was really good to tune in because I know I'm doing this. I'm going trying to trying to formalize the research, but like some of those very first ideas when I was first beginning to think about it, I think I'd just been to one of the boarding school survivor weekends over in London with Nick Duffinell and his crew, and it was just amazing. One to be able to see the red thread, but two to be able to listen back and see how much of my thought and analysis has evolved too. There were totally things where I was like, oh, oh yeah, I don't really think that now, you know, (laughs) or wouldn't say it that way now, you know? So I think that was kind of remarkable too, that there's there's been like a, an arc to the development of the pod, the way you were describing Mm -hmm. it. But I think also there's been an arc to our own development, to our own growth and our understanding of our work, our own. And I think that's just delicious to be able to go back. Yeah, for sure. And I remember how nervous I was at the beginning to kind of put kind of free-flowing thoughts out there. Mm. You know, obviously we have a podcast producer or something egregious comes up, we can edit, you know, those things. But I think mostly we don't, right? Mostly like what is in our minds and our hearts and our brains comes out and, and it might shift and we might want to have said it differently three years later, but it's still kind of there on record. And I can remember the amount of, um, I think discomfort is the right word that I had at first, right? And I remember like I'd have to listen to every episode before I would publicize it, right? Just to kind of like remind myself what we'd said and also because people listen and they remember, right? And so for you and I, sometimes this is just a conversation where we've chatted and, you know, like we move on, but people are like, well, when you said that, I'm like, oh, did I say that? And now- (laughs) And sometimes you're like, oh, did I say that? And other times you're like, wow, that was smart. Did I say that? (laughs) Look at what I said. Well done, Ryan Hart. Exactly. Yes. But now it feels more, it is feel, I think, um, in some ways, like more comfortable in my podcast skin, right? Like it's yeah. just what, oh, yeah. what comes out is great and we're doing the best we can. And I'm happy to have any conversations about what I may say today or in the past, as long as people will remind me. So, yes. So it's been a good season and it's been a good year. And, and I think this general theme of re-architecting and renewal has been big, you know, and, and I think it was nice to begin with mentors mm-hmm. and, and thought leaders and then to end with a mentor, like, like, the, like the pod kind of went full circle that way, which is great, you know. And of course, so much of what Tolka brings is this kind of like connection to, you know, what is bigger than you that's driving? Yeah. And what are the personal practices you can have to kind of reconnect to that? And, and to be part of that, you know, rather than thinking you're in control of the wave you're surfing. Yeah. I can't remember if I did it on the pod. He always used to tell me a story years and years ago where he was driving in Denmark. He was a young man driving in Denmark and he's pulling up to a set of traffic lights and he ends up cutting in front of this car to get up to the traffic lights and they, they nearly crash, you know, mm-hmm. and then the other car pulls up alongside of him, you know, and, and the guy like does circular motion with his hands to, uh, have Tolka wind down the window. So Tolka winds down the window, you know, and the guy leans across and he goes, you're driving car, but who is driving you? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And that was it. You know? And so there you are. Another little Tolka anecdote. Oh my gosh. You driving car. Who's driving you? Of course, that is a Toka anecdote. And I hope that the people who listen to his episode now understand that that would be a Toka anecdote. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, because I loved the interview with Toka. 
I loved it. And I just love being in his presence. And I was really curious what that's like for you, having known him for so long and been mentored by him so directly. Because, you know, my experience of him, and obviously he mentored me as well and had a huge influence on this path I'm on now, right? So it's just like, so I actually feel so tender and open in his presence. And I'm curious what that's like for you because I I think that it's part of like this long relationship and how much he's impacted my life. But I think it's also that he has cultivated a presence and a knowing of himself. You know, like for me, he's like the kind of like the epitome of the quality of the intervention deals with the, is reflective of the interiority of the intervener. Mm, that Bella Bryan quote, right? Yeah. And I just really feel that with him. And I find myself becoming more vulnerable and open when he's around. And I was curious what that's like for you who have a, a longer relationship, who have a different relationship. I was curious what that's like for you to be just in his presence before we talk about all the personal practices stuff. Mm, yeah. I mean, at this point, I just love him, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm in lots of layered and unexplainable ways. Mm-hmm. Like when he had the stroke, you know, I went down to visit him and we just did a big road trip together. Mm-hmm. Like, is that kind of love? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so that's one thing I feel. And and then I think the other thing I feel is just like, uh, yeah, he's always been kind of grounding and opening influence on me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. You know, that when that opening you're talking about, that kindness, that mm-hmm. there's something about his presence and hanging out with him that brings that out in me and, and being grounded. And like, I needed ground when I was a young man mm-hmm. and I needed mentors that grounded me. You know, I did. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he didn't do that through effort. He just did that through being who he is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like he was trying to be something for me. He was being himself and there was a good match right. to my need and his ability to like meet that need without judging me ever. And so I think, I think that's, that's it. I mean, he is, he's been meditating an hour a day since he was about 26. I know. Amazing. Right. The same practice, mm-hmm. which is called self-knowledge, mm-hmm. right. Or knowledge. And I think, I think, you know, know thyself would be one of his core mm-hmm. teachings, practices, embodiments, you know? So I think you're right. I think there's a, there is, you know, it's been a daily practice for him and you can feel it. You can feel it. You just can. And I, I feel like as you're talking to him, he is an example of that idea of power among when we talk about that, right? That it's like a kind of power that when someone else picks up theirs, we're all, like we all get power, like that kind of infinite like he's dipping into that well of infinite power and 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 that makes it more possible for the rest of us mm. right it's not like a finite transaction i think that that's exactly right and the only way just to your point and like to his point right he talked about warrior of the heart i don't know if he mentioned meditation specifically but we know that he does that that is through his practices yeah it's not just you know he arrived in the world i'm sure he arrived in the world beautiful but you know what i mean like he actually cultivates this personal presence personal practice personal knowledge, self-knowledge, self-reflection that I think opens the door to other people having that as well. Yeah. I mean, he's like, you know, his thing has always been with me. He's like, he's like, well, whatever you practice, you're going to get better at. Mm. So if you practice peace, you're going to get better at peace. Mm-hmm. And if you practice joy, you're going to get better at joy. If you like literally like you've got, but you've got to practice. Mm-hmm. You want to practice being grounded, go practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, none of these things happen just because, or because you have an epiphany. Right. All of it takes practice. And when you practice something like learning guitar, 
and you first pick one up, you know, you can't make the noises, you can't make the no- the strings sing, you know, and then the more you play, the more they sing. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's really interesting just as some of those other folks, Arawana and Meg, we had them as well, like experienced mentorship. It was interesting to have him on and remind myself of how much his practices flowed into mine, right? Like how much, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. what he's brought, what he discovered flowed into just like what we accept now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Big time. Big a, time. A level of personal practice. And that was really interesting. And I think I also want to say, because, you know, those of the, our listeners who know Toka and the listeners who know us and know about our emphasis on equity, right. Might have a question, right. Because that's not, the lens that he comes in through. No, it's not. So I would just love us to talk a little bit of that because I actually don't find it incongruent or inconsistent in any way. Mm. I just find that's not where he is. And I don't expect everyone to be where I am all of the time. Can you tell me why you don't find it incongruent and inconsistent? Or like, can you just give me a little more on that? Yeah. So I think it's because of his ground, right? I never, ever doubt with him that kind of the inherent worth and dignity of all people is like key. And it's not that kind of light. We're all alike. I can experience and feel a depth, even though he would never talk about difference in the way that I do and might not even understand difference, probably doesn't even understand difference in the way that I do. But there is a real ability to meet what is right? Like the reality of what people are experiencing, the reality of them having different lived experiences. And also that feels like not how I think about things, but certainly right alongside it. And also, I just think if I'm just being honest too, I just don't, for me, he's an elder and like a holder of wisdom. So deep, he doesn't, I don't know, like it just doesn't have to get it in that the thing I'm getting and into. Yeah. There's something different that he's bringing that isn't negated because I have this particular passion or interest or analysis. What he brings to me feeds that, even if he doesn't go there with me. Yeah. We wouldn't exactly be walking our talk if we refused to have conversations and loving relationships (laughs) with Tolka because he didn't carry the same analysis as us. Right, right. We'd be kind of like, you know, full of crap at that point, wouldn't we? Right. I mean, our whole thing is staying in relationship across our difference to do good work in the world. I mean, that's our whole gig. Yeah. And I have found that he has been one of the biggest supporters of my bringing that, right? So I can feel him saying, go do that thing that you do. That's great, right? Even though it's not my thing. So I just feel like, yeah, I guess like, yeah, I don't know. And maybe people who aren't in the community and don't know us might not feel that disconnect, but I wanted to speak to it directly because I think it's really important with what's happening in the world and how we relate to our elders and how we honor that lineage that we came from. Yeah. I love that. He's a good lad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's a good lad. Yeah. He really is. Mm-hmm. You know, heart of gold and uh, just a kind, good person. And, uh, I can't even express the gratitude I feel for him having been such a significant part of my personal and professional life. Just, mm-hmm. you know, so wicked to have him on the pod. We may have him again. That'd be great. Yeah, we may have him again. We'll see if we can get Monica to come next time, who is his partner, his wife. I mean, maybe. I mean, no, I know. I don't think we're going to. She was so clear. She was so clear. So this listener is a little like, how you know that people are in long-term relationship with each other. She was so clear and Tim was like, she's clear, but. 
Yeah. Maybe if I pitched it this way to Monica, I might be able to hook her in. If we make it about wild mushroom hunting. There you go. She might come on, which is what she loves to do these days. Not so much hosting and harvesting complex and meaningful conversations. (laughs) Yeah. That's still our gig. Yeah, still our gig. Hey, listen, season five is coming up Mm -hmm. and we're already beginning to start planning the recordings for it, which is very exciting, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so we've got, we've got quite a cast coming in, you know, and there's a couple that I'm particularly excited about. Uh, uh, Zaid Hassan is coming on, which is really exciting. So he was the author of Social Labs Revolution. He was one of the founders of Rios Partners back in the day. Uh, He now teaches at Oxford University. And so... Again, like someone who was a really good friend of mine mm. back in the day, but also has been incredibly influential as a writer and a thinker in the field of systems change mm-hmm. and in the field of systems change and equity as well. Like he's actually, you know, put some thought leadership out there, which is relatively rare, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, really excited to have him on. I mean, like one of the biggest brains I know. Mm. I mean, this dude is smart. My goodness. Nice. Yeah. Well, speaking of big brains, can I just say my big brain friend who's coming on? Uh, yeah. Awesome. Okay, Andrew Grant Thomas. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Andrew Grant Thomas. That's so awesome. Because he's so smart. Like He really is. You know, like there's people, like I think I'm a fairly <laughs> smart person, right? I don't like go into a room and feel like a dum-dum most of the time. But like there's some people you meet and you're like, oh, that one's smarter than me. Andrew Grant Thomas Mm -hmm. is that person, Mm -hmm. is one of those people. He has an organization called Embrace Race, which is about working with children around race specifically. Like how do we parent children around issues of race? How do we make the world safe uh, for all of our children, you know, black and brown children? And so he's going to come and talk with us. And I think I cannot wait. I think it's like one of those things, like two of my favorite human beings on the planet, you and Andrew Grant Thomas on the same podcast. I can't even stand how excited I am. (laughs) Can't even stand it. It'll be so great. It's going to be a lot of fun. The other one we have coming on is uh, Richard Beard, right? And that was one of those invites that I wrote out. And I was like, I don't know if Richard's going to come on. And I just finished reading his book, Sad Little Men. Mm. And uh, the subtitle is Private Schools and the Ruin of England. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What a, it's just a dramatic title, all of it. The whole book's dramatic and it's angry. Oh, nice. And I love it. And I love it. <laughs> An ex- a sensitive and incisive analysis of the British class system has no right to be as insanely re- readable and enjoyable as this book manages to be. Engaging and readable, powerful and cogent, a vivid portrait of the political elite exposed for the vulnerable men and children they are. If you want to understand the aura of entitlement and untouchability shrouding our government class, look no further than Beer's witty, unsparingly sharp and deeply moving anatomy of the emotional culture of England's boarding schools. I can't wait to read it. I'm really looking forward to having him on. I'm going to read it again before he comes on. That's going to be a really rich dialogue. And for us to be able to bring some of the perspective we've been building from North America into his dialogue, I think that's the exciting piece. You know, for me, it's like, I truly feel the more I research this area and look into it, the British boarding school system is just an extreme example of something that's globally pervasive. Mm. So I'm, I'm really excited to have Richard Beard coming on. Tim, can I ask you a question? As many as you want. I know you're excited. I'm excited too. And I have to finish you know, I have to finish, I'm like the last 50 pages away of integrity. Then that's my next book. Awesome. Well, I just want to know, like, what are you dying to ask this dude? Oh, Richard Beard? Yeah. I want to ask him something about his anger, actually. Mm-hmm. 
when you, so I don't know, you know, when you first asked me that question, the, f- the first thing that came into my head is why are you so angry? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the f- question I want to ask him. Great. And it's kind of an obvious answer, I think, but like that's, I, I, it's a piece of me. It's just like, I just want to hear about, I mean, I get the analysis and we want to get that from you. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually want to hear like, this is what comes through that book is something incredibly visceral. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear him talk about that. Yeah. And I'm excited to be in the analysis with you and that, and, you know, but that visceral sense of anger, I'd love to tap into that on the pod. Great. Great. I love it. I love it. Can't wait. I've got a couple, I've got another one I want to talk about that I'm excited about. Do you, maybe it's your turn though. I'm taking turns. So. Okay. It's my turn. Cindy Suarez is coming back. <gasps> coming back. <laughs> I, know. I know. Part two. I know. I can't, because we, I feel like we just started with her and she has such a deep, both analysis of power Yes. But not traditional, right? Like, so her book talks about power from different vantage points and not like just like the social work or the social change view of power. And so I'm so excited to have her back because I felt like our first interview with her was so good and just got started. It is also, I have to admit, one of those times, which I... I'm really glad that we do podcasting. We're not a YouTube channel. Like, right. So, because most of the time, like, we're just sitting here talking. However, Cindy Suarez tends to wear the coolest glasses on the planet. That's true. And I feel a little sad that people can't see her when she's talking because she always also looks like totally awesome. But, uh, you know, that's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll just enjoy it. But yeah, I can't wait to have her back. Hey, listen. So the other person we've got on coming on, and and, and I think this is a bit of a turn up for the books. Like it's different than the normal flavor mm-hmm. is Sean Rutland. So Sean Rutland is the founder and CEO of Hutch Games, which is a gaming company that's gone from very small to very big mm-hmm. and literally just sold for $375 million, right? So they've gone from this very small company to this very large entity that sold in highly iterative loops. And his whole thing is about culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? and creating cultures for people be, to be creative and to be in good relationship and to care about each other, Mm -hmm. you know? But it's a very corporate perspective in as a CEO, and it's in the gaming industry, which I find fascinating, you know? And so Hutch was like, I think, one of the top five places to work in the tech industry in the world. Because my mate, they've just moved to a four-day working week. You know, oh yeah, my mate Dave works there, right? And and, uh, and so I was talking. Dave, he sent me a text the other day, and the, and and he was like, yeah, yeah, we had a we had a team meeting this morning. We're going out for a team lunch, you know, at eleven a.m. And then we're coming back, and then we're playing, you know, we're playing games from two till four. He's like, I don't know when I'm going to work today. <laughs> oh, so sad. Yeah, I was like, all right, Hutch Games. You know, could we be cultural interventionists or something at Hutch Games? How about we do that? Well, they actually have some incredible people there working on culture who it might be really lovely to follow up with either for in later in the season or in another season that we might, you know, let's see. But uh, I think that's really, I love that one because I feel like it's a very different voice than we normally have on the pod, but so connected in how they approach the work, these rapid iterative testing, this focus on the quality of relationship that has allowed them to retain people in an industry that turns over human beings like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. So thrilled to be having Sean on. Yeah. I found him fascinating. I really, really, I enjoyed our pre-conversation with him quite a bit. And so then we're going from Sean Rutland out in the world, selling for millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to Tennyson Wolf and Quenita Robertson. That's right. Who are doing, I think, quieter 
work, right? Like with smaller systems, well, it almost has to be, right? Everybody's doing quieter work than Hutch, but which kind of focus on individual leaders, right? Smaller cohorts Mm. at the level of conversation, not necessarily at the level of culture or system, right? And so- We're going more like this next season, we'll have a breadth of folks too. Juanita and Tennyson are working across race all the time. They're working on issues of race all the time, but they bring in things like ritual, things like conversation, right? And so I think it will be very exciting to talk with them, especially as we kind of lay out this constellation of people we're going to have this season. So cool. It's like, it's all over the place. And yet there's a real thread. They are all, Tennyson and Juanita are Actually, I think quiet was a really good word. Mm-hmm. They're all about depth and quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like to, to build the quality of relationship, to have some of the most difficult conversations, that's their gig. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And the integration of multiple lineages to do that. Right. And of course, for you and I, wonderful to be in conversation with another team that is working across race and right. gender and class and nationality and because Tennyson was also Canadian. I know. Mm-hmm. Right? I did know that. And so I think it's, uh, you know, similar to Colleen and Mahmoud from this season in that way. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be just thrilling. Yeah. Yeah, folks, it's a really good season coming up. We're obviously very excited. And, you know, we'll do we'll do some of our stuff too. Like we'll do, the, we, people seem to have really appreciated that kind of like pause that we do in between the sections of um, speakers. So we'll have some thought leaders on. We're going to have some people we consider to be colleagues and friends. And we'll have some people who are kind of like clients and partners in delivery with us. Very similar to last year, last season, this season that we're actually currently finishing. Last season, last year, this season. Time is... A construct, Tim. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an illusion. <laughs> the original sin is to limit the ears. Don't. There you go. I like it. Right? How do you come up with this stuff? I don't. That was Richard Bark. Remember, well, didn't we have a hot... We talked about that on the pod, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we did. Right. Good. I'm like, did we talk about that on the pod? Was that some other conversation we were having? We, anyway. We talk a lot. We do, mate. We do. So stick with us, folks, you know, and there's lots of ways to stay in touch with us as well. As you move out of this, you know, as you kind of have the gap between this season and the next, there's four seasons of the Outside Podcast. You can go back and revisit and find your favorites and tune back into conversations. I know I found that rewarding, like I was saying here, right? Mm-hmm. You can follow us on LinkedIn. We're pushing out articles on a bi-weekly basis at the moment, which we're really excited about. And just thank you so much for the response mm-hmm. and support you've given us by reading and commenting and liking and sharing those articles uh, we really appreciate it and there's a and so you can go onto the outside um, page on LinkedIn and you can see all of those articles so there's some great stuff there and then of course there's the online courses that we've got out there so you know you can go check out the shared work course you can go check out the leading effective meetings course and we're also beginning to work coming up in a couple of weeks here in May, we're going to start recording a two loops course as well. That's going to be an online course. So the Bacana two loops of systems change. So those are just really great ways to just stay directly in touch with us uh, in between. If you ever need a little dose of Tim and Tuesday as an antidote to whatever else is going on in your life, then uh, there's plenty of ways to tune in. That's right. So excited. Thank you for this season. Looking forward to next and always just good to be with you in this way. And if you are ever in a situation where you need direct support in work you're doing uh, and you think the outside could be helpful, don't hesitate to reach out. That's right. All right. Take care, friends. 